You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, let's go, Buffalo. Hey, let's go, Buffalo. The bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and want to thank you for joining us in this off-season talk for the Buffalo Bills. We have a lot to discuss We have some news and notes. Our This Week in Bills History segment, the AFC-NFC Championship playoffs to discuss, some 2019 Bills rankings if we have time, and we will announce another winner for the Bruce Smith signed football giveaway. Um, We actually gave um, the last winner a couple of weeks to come in to our mentions or message us over some sort of social media platform and she didn't. So um, we're going to announce another winner. So if you are one of our loyal listeners throughout the off season, uh, you will get a chance to possibly win a Bruce Smith signed autographed football. So let's get going. Um, I'll start it off here. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, it's been a week since we talked, a week since the Bills lost to the Houston Texans and uh, a little bitterness still. But um, how are you guys doing this evening? Doing doing pretty good, Nate. How's it going? I'm doing well. Doing well. Not as well, you know, as, as if we were still talking postseason football with the Bills um, over a team. I'm still a little bit bitter about that game, to be honest. About the, but then you know after after the shellacking the Texans took today, I don't know if the Bills could have made it out of out of KC. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Mike, how are you doing, bud? Doing good. Trying to forget last week. I'm glad the Texans were out of it. Some people, I think. Right, you cheer for the team that beat you, so you can have some solid take some solace in the fact, like, oh, maybe we lost the eventual champs. Maybe we're number two in some universe, but not me, man. I'm, I'm glad they went down and to to blow it the way they did was was nice. A little, <laughs> not a big enough person where I can't admit to a little Schadenfreude, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I I was wondering the same thing because you know if the Houston Texans end up winning the Super Bowl. If they had, would you would you then think like, man, the Bills were like this close to winning the Super Bowl themselves? You'd be like, well, if they're going to lose, at least they want lost to the Super Bowl champs, right? No, I don't. I don't want to play the what if game, so I'm glad they got bounced, and it was incredible. KC came back from that deficit. Not only that, and then the points they put up on top of that. So it's like, man, even if the Bills had won last week, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you don't think they could have scored 51 points? You don't think the Bills' offense is capable of that? I think it, it's a little bomb on the last week a little bit yeah yeah i don't think the bills would have allowed casey to score 51 but i mean we've been shown time and time again if the bills have to score over 30 it's probably not going to happen at least the last few seasons so we're the last few you know maybe the last decade or so two decades (laughs) 
I mean, if the, say the Texans win the Super Bowl, we would we would be playing the what if game till the Bills won one, right? It'd be like, oh, if they had only made that play or that play or that play, that would have been the difference. That would have been our Lombardi Trophy. True. But now it's it's like, man, we, we couldn't be the Texans. The Texans got destroyed. Yeah. So that makes me feel a little bit better. You know, I you know me, I like I have I have my bitterness. I, I have I have a little streak of bitterness in me, right? Um, I didn't you author that manifesto of kindness is a crock? Yes, yes, I was. Ba- <laughs> it wasn't a high point in my life. <laughs> it was in the I, ninth grade. <laughs> it was a, what a streak of cynicism. <laughs> Are you not supposed to have that kind of cynicism as a thirteen-year-old? Is that too early? <laughs> Maybe tenth, eleventh grade, nine. I thought it came on a little early. <laughs> That was like when we met. It's like, oh, hi, I'm I'm Mike. Nice to meet you. I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Nate. You know, kindness is a crock, right? Like, there's absolutely no goodness out there in the world. Everything sucks. So anyway, I, <laughs> I, so I'm I'm kind of a bitter person sometimes, but like with this, just because it wasn't a loss, where it wasn't like the Music City Miracle, right? Like the Music City Miracle just sucked. And it was one of those losses that just ate at you and ate at you. And then the Titans went to the Super Bowl and you're like, please, God, don't let them win. Because the Bills were literally almost this close to beating them and being in the Super Bowl. And I just hated them for that, you know, and I have ever since then. But like, I don't, I don't, I didn't hate the Texans afterwards. I just thought it was a, I thought there were a lot of gaffes officiating wise, obviously, uh, some, some questionable play calling and Deshaun Watson made one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, dodging a double sack. So, um, I, I, I'm not as bitter. I am glad that they're out of it though, to be honest. I, how much would it have sucked though, to, to have, you know, a Texans Titans AFC championship? I mean, you, you want the AFC to represent, you know, in, in some sort of way, I wanted it to be a strong team. I was, I was okay with the Ravens. I'm kind of spread. Let's just go, go right into the games since we're already discussing it, go into the games this weekend and what happened. Um, I'm going to go in, in order of, uh, least surprising to most surprising. Um, let's start off with you don't you don't go chronologically. Um, like let's the rest of the world. <laughs> well, so right now the the Packers Seahawks game is still going on, so I can't give the final update on that. But fine, let's let's do it chronologically then, Mike. Um, let's do the 49ers beating the Minnesota Vikings twenty seven to ten in San Francisco yesterday. Uh, in I think a game that really didn't surprise anyone. I was actually more surprised that the Vikings made it past wildcard weekend last week against the Saints. And that just goes to show you the Bills were the only team that were a fifth or sixth seed that did not upset, you know, the, the third or fourth seed last week because the Vikings beat the Saints last week. Um, the Titans beat the Patriots and the Seahawks ended up beating the Eagles. So it just goes to show you, man, that first round buy is huge. For that reason alone. And the 49ers took care of business 27-10 um, over the Vikings. So um, right now, um, as it stands right now, it's looking like it's going to be the Packers and the 49ers. But we'll let you know as time goes on um, in this podcast. You already know. If you're listening to this, you know, Monday, you're, you already know. But, you know, it'll be surprising for us. So then after that, the in what was, I think, I would argue the biggest surprise of the entire weekend, <laughs> the Titans absolutely manhandling the Ravens. Saturday night, twenty-eight to twelve, and I were you guys weren't you guys kind of surprised that the Titans just made it out of Gillette Stadium with a win? Like you're like, okay, now you you pretty much okay. That's as good as as you're going to do this this postseason. You're you're really not going to even 
come close to the Ravens. Do you guys think that the Titans had a chance whatsoever last night against the Ravens? Of course they did. I actually picked them to win. Um, the Titans are hot the tail end of the season. Tannehill's been playing well. They have one of the best running backs in the league. I think he led the league in rushing. They have a solid defense. Why not? In hindsight, everybody picked him to win. I don't show me a betting slip, show me a text, show me anything. I, I've seen nothing. The Ravens, everyone had the Ravens. They were the best team in the regular season. They were the best, they were the odds odd favorite to win the Super Bowl. That I was surprised. Like everyone. Boy, if I, I said it before the the weekend started. Bullshit, John. <laughs> don't, I don't remember. I don't That's remember seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You might have said it. I wouldn't put it past you. Well, you were saying Ryan Tannehill was playing great. I think in the last couple of games, the last two playoff games, I think he has like a total of 180 yards passing. He only had 88 yards yesterday, although he had two touchdowns. And uh, Derrick Henry, though, is really is really the main focus of this postseason. He had 195 yards last night rushing, and I believe he has over 400 so far this postseason. He's broken the record, I think, for most... Uh, most uh, rushing yards in two pre- or postseason games. So uh, that and the defense, defense shutting down the Tennessee Titans. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Titans actually credited the Bills with coming up with a game plan to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Great. <laughs> Sweet. Glad we could help. Glad we could help. Um, the <laughs> so the Titans are squaring off against the Kansas City Chiefs um, in the AFC Championship. Do you guys care who wins that game and who do you want to see represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? John, I'll ask you first. You know, after the the Patriots lost, I have not really cared at all as long as I when I watch that it's a good game. Um, I really don't. You know, the whole Music City Miracle thing, I think I'm over that now, um, especially since the Bills have made the playoffs two of the last three years and, like, it looks like they're putting things around and all that. Like, I just want to see a good game. All right, Bitter Nate is back. I definitely want the Titans to lose. <laughs> I'm glad. I appreciate the fact that they beat the Patriots and I guess the Ravens, although I didn't want to see the Ravens lose necessarily, but um, that I don't want the Titans to win for just the reason you said that because I'm still not over the Music City Miracle, John. Why would you be? They, they did not win that game. It robbed us. John, I can't believe you don't know how to hold a grudge correctly. <laughs> It was in 1999. I mean, the I don't like neither owner is there anymore. None of the players coach. Nothing. Nobody's like the same. Like, what's the difference? True. Both owners have died since then. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fair. Hey, remember that owner at the time though? He gave us the double bird one one year <laughs> after beating us or <laughs> something. You know. And now he's dead. And now he's dead. <laughs> John's like, yeah, he got what he deserved. He was like 89. It's like he had what he had coming to him. That's what you get. But the, I'm still I'm still bitter about that. I don't want the Titans to do well. I don't want the Tennessee Titans to do well at anything. So, um, look in a vacuum, Kansas City. You have Shady McCoy, right? It'd be nice to see him win. Um, beyond that, Andy Reid. He seems like he's older. Like he, his heart's still ticking. Like you'd like to see him get one eventually before. He strokes out on the sideline. I don't know. It's like he seems like he's put in his time. Um, in the in, in a final analysis, I'm hope, I'm pulling for Green Bay all the way. So I think they could have a much easier time against Tennessee. Um, 
that's kind of, so whatever happens in the AFC title game, kind of like John, um, a circuitous way to say it, but hoping for a good game. Ultimately, I want Green Bay to win it all. So whatever. You just made a, you brought up Green Bay, like Kansas City, Green Bay, that's Super Bowl one. This is like the hundred year anniversary of the NFL. That would be kind of cool, I guess. Right. Ooh, that would be cool. Uh-huh. Plus uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers on the same state farm commercials, right? Like that, <laughs> that would make that would make them both and State Farm a ton of money. So good for them, right? Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, that's good. an interesting point, though. Good catch. Yeah, yeah. The, the, sure the NFL. Wait, 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 Mike. What was a good catch? The State Farm comparison, State or Farm, the yeah. or, or oh, I thought you meant the Super Bowl one that John brought up. The the all these amazing facts. The Super Bowl one, the hundred year anniversary. <laughs> Mike's like, no, corporations are good. <laughs> State Farm needs to make more money. No, that's funny. No, that's that would be really cool, John. Actually, I am rooting for that. That would be. I think that would be a much more exciting game too. Anyway, um, but um, you, you like to see high-powered offenses play against each other. Um, I would be okay with the 49ers, though at, at, at the moment, though. But um, John or Mike, what you were saying about Andy Reid that reminds me of remember the only other time I believe the only other time that he had a Super Bowl run in him was when he was coaching the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, this was like peak T.O., Donovan McNabb, um, before their fallout, and they were playing against the Patriots. Was that the Patriots' first win, John? Do you know? First you... one was against um, the Rams? The Rams. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Might have been this, a... this is when McNabb was throwing up on the sideline, right? Where McNabb was throwing up on the sidelines, yeah, and he because he partied too much the night before, and <laughs> he could not run a fourth, a two-minute offense. He was just, like, stumbling up to the line. It's like, bro, like, this will there will never be another time in your life where this would probably happen. You need to suck it up and somehow find a way to get to the line, you know, (laughs) like sprint up there. I don't know how you, like, I have a feeling like, I feel like with Michael Jordan and Pete Sampras, like those guys played with the flu and they like won championship games. Like, how are you telling me that Donovan McNabb couldn't have done the same? It was pitiful to watch. (laughs) T.O. had like over 200 yards received. You know what's funny is, Mike, you sent me at the time a really great article by Bill Simmons um, taking the side of T.O. in that whole debacle. And I was like, yeah, you know what? T.O. was right. Donovan McNabb never really tried his hardest, I feel. And T.O. had over 200 yards receiving that game. He would have been the MVP. He would have had a Super Bowl ring. He probably would have stayed in Philadelphia. And so a lot of that goes... Anyway, anyway, I'm ah, I'm getting off topic. But yeah, so so I think I agree with Mike. I, I'd, I'd love to see the Packers. I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers win another one. Um and love to see against KC. So I think I think I'm going to be rooting that way in the uh, NFC Championship and AFC Championships. All right, so let's go into one of. Oh, by the way, real quick, thank God we aren't watching the Pat- Patriots play. Like I feel like that's been. I don't know the exact stats on it, and I didn't do any research for it, but I feel like it's been like nine out of the last ten years. It's just been watching the Patriots nonstop. So thank God we don't have to do that. I just want to end on that note. Either way, we all win. We all win with this postseason since the Patriots are out of it. So. Um, we are all winners. We're all wall of famers. So, um, let's go into one of my favorite segments ever on the podcast, especially in the off season. This is my least favorite segment. I'll just, I'll say that this week in Bill's history, this week in Bill's history. This is from app of sports history on Twitter. On this day in 1991, Jim Kelly throws for 339. Thurman for rushes for 115. Lofton goes for 749. Reed 
four catches, 122. As the Buffalo Bills defeat the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs, 44 to 34. And they play Oakland next, and then we go to their first Super Bowl after that. Nice. Good memory. All right, John, do you have a quiz for us? I do have a quiz. Ooh. Um, there are two correct answers. So Dan Marino threw two interceptions in that game. Who were the two players that picked him off? Hmm. Mike, you want to go first? I can barely remember what I had for lunch yesterday. You want me to remember who intercepted a Dan Marino pass? <laughs> How long ago? Thirty years ago? Okay, I'll uh, take I'll take a guess, John. Mark Kelso. <laughs> Wait, Henry Jones. Correct. Correct. <laughs> throwing <laughs> throwing two out there. Nice. Um, I'm gonna go uh, Nate Odom's. Uh, Daryl Talley. Is Kelso and Odoms. All right. All right. Well, we each got one, Mike. But we were kind of going who got there first, I thought. Oh, I mean, well, you shouldn't have had two guesses. You should have only had one guess. I don't know why. You, you had two as two. Yeah, well, I, I had to do two after you did two. I wasn't just going to be like the guy that had one guess after you had two. I needed to have two guesses. But you can't condemn me when you did the same thing, I guess. Well, I can condemn that, you. you because you said two, that damns your... You started a bad your, precedent, a poor precedent okay. on this podcast with that. Whatever. What's, is there another question? <laughs> um, how many sacks do the Bills have? This year or that year? Or in the game? That, that oh. game. <laughs> I still don't know the answer to any of those questions. So, um, Four. John, Mike says four. I'm going to go three. Zero. Yes. <laughs> I don't think, based on, uh, I looked up the stats of the game. I, don't, I didn't see any sacks for either team. Oh, so we're hoping that this is right. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take it <laughs> until the confirmation is made by somebody else. So it's cool, man. That's another good quiz. All right. Well, that was a tiebreaker, Mike. Um, all right. <clears throat> it was you fun. didn't get it either, man. That's a, that's a you got it or you didn't. No, it's whoever's closest. That's how we always do the quizzes on this podcast, whoever's closest. And I, you, you, you put yourself out there, man. Four sacks is a lot of sacks, you know, against, against Dan Marino, especially. Um, I think you risked it. So, all right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. After that, we'll go into this week's news and notes for the Bills. So stick around. This is a dumpster fire. (laughs) This is is the worst podcast ever. All right, welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is another off-season episode. I'm I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm with my co-hosts, John and Mike. So we're going to go over some Bills news and notes. If we have time, we'll go over some rankings. But there's a lot of cool things that happened this week, surprisingly, that they need to be discussed. Um, first thing um, is it's not really important, but something that's kind of interesting is uh, the NFL is investigating if the Buffalo Bills violated injury reporting rules regarding Jerry Hughes' wrist. So on Tuesday, Jerry Hughes posted a reassuring message to Buffalo Bills fans on social media indicating we will be back 2020 season and a thank you to fans. Um, and this is all from the Buffalo Rumbling site, by the way, along with that uplifting communication, Hughes shared that he had played injured. And he said, um, I wasn't going to let these torn ligaments in my wrist slow me down as the team was so close to achieving our goal of an AFC East banner and playoff games. So Hughes didn't disclose like how this injury happened, when or how it occurred. And um, if you look at his injury reports, nothing was ever mentioned for, you know, uh, 
torn ligaments or anything or wrist or anything like that. So um, it's a possibility that the NFL looks to penalize the Bills in some way. Um, I, I, usually it's it's very minimal. Um, like, for example, uh, it was written here that Detroit Lions were fined $75,000 this year for failure to comply with report guidelines for an injury to Matt Stafford. Um, in some cases, like, you know, there's draft picks or whatever, but, like, it's very, very unlikely that that'll happen. So, um isn't that funny how social media caused that? Because if it wasn't for Jerry Hughes tweeting that or posting on social media in general, I think it might have been Instagram. Like we would never, like the NFL would not be looking into this whatsoever. <laughs> like isn't that isn't that crazy? He had a great game. He didn't need to use any excuses. He had three sacks against the Texans. Isn't that kind of a an odd thing to say? Yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna go that far, but. <laughs> He doesn't specify when it happened, right? I mean, no, he doesn't. He doesn't specify when or how or how it happened. But the problem is, the Bills on their injury list um, each week, you know, they have to post practice notes and, and you know who is limited, and they never mention anything with a wrist. So, therefore, it could potentially be an issue. Like he's been listed on the injury reports, but never for. Well, specific- isn't the right answer like, oh, it happened during pregame, or oh, I didn't tell the team, or oh. I mean, so many different ways to. Yeah, it's supposed to could happen during the game. Do they say? Um, no, it doesn't say. It doesn't say at all. We have no idea. Like walking over to the computer to talk to you, I tweaked my knee. Like so, like <laughs> stuff happens, right? <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. So, well, can I? I, I have to ask this question. I asked my wife this because she's a big crime fan. Is like, how come when somebody writes something on social media, it's just like, oh, it's the truth. Like, what if he was like, yeah, I was just lying about it. <laughs> How come that's not a defense right. for that? <laughs> like, I yeah, just, of course. I just wanted to sound like I was like, really? And they're like, oh, well, what would they do? Would they send a medical staff over to check Jerry Hughes' torn ligaments? Like, he's at his house wherever, what, in Texas or whatever? <laughs> like, you know, they're going to send med- He's like, oh, I'm actually in Hawaii, so meet me there. And I was like, oh, I'm actually in Texas. Like, eventually, you know, <laughs> like, I always wondered that. You oh, know- I'm healed. <laughs> <laughs> it's September when they finally find or it's in training camp when they finally get a hold of him. He's fine. <laughs> but like, you know, uh like with my my wife watches a lot of crime drama, so like CSI, NCIS, all those all those things and they're always like you always see those movies and, and TV shows where they record someone, right? And the guy like confesses what he did, right? He's like, "Oh yeah, well what I did is I is I'm the one that, you know, stole the money from the safe or whatever, you know, just I killed the, or nobody's going to know. And they're like, and then they pull out the tape recorder. He's like, gotcha. And what if he's like, I was just lying that whole time. Like I wasn't telling the truth. Like You're just trusting that you're just trusting that I'm telling the truth all the time. I'm a pathological liar, actually. (laughs) Well, how would you know if he was a pathological liar that he wasn't not telling the truth then? Exactly my point. So if you're ever caught, say you're a pathological liar, but, (laughs) but right. Like, how would you, you could just say, well, I was just lying just now. I just wanted to get you out of my apartment or whatever. I don't know. Like, how come everything, if it's, in, if it's in a confession, I understand. If you're in a room with officers and they're saying, did you do it? And you're like, yes, I did it. I'm the one that committed this crime. Then they're like, okay, well, you know, you read your Miranda rights. But if like someone just like tape recorded you and was like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> I just so want. It doesn't even that happen where people take credit for crimes that they didn't commit, like in that situation. You're right. People do take credit for crimes they don't commit sometimes. It's a weird 
weird thing, but they do sometimes. Absolutely. I feel like there's a wide gulf between crime procedural dramas and like social media. I think social media, right? Like don't most people, aren't they like humble bragging, filtering their photos, crafting the perfect post to make them look better, right? You're, you're not taking, you're not posting things like, oh, I feel depressed today. I'm down in the dumps. Like 90% of your life might be total garbage, but you're <laughs> posting the 10%. They're like, oh, I'm on, a, I'm on first class to Aruba. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. You never really. It's like, oh, I, I didn't have five sacks because I, what did he tear his tendon or something? Like, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, yeah. You don't see a lot of famous people just like tweeting out, like, does anyone out there actually like me? Like, you never, like, never any of the more, you know, moments that are, that you see that they're really delicate emotionally. It's just like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm I'm traveling to yeah the other side of the world. Like, it's great to be me. Like, I'm rich. You know, I'm doing, I'm beautiful. I look great in a bathing suit. Like, let's, let's post that every day. But it's not like, oh, my best friend won't talk to me. <laughs> you know? You know? I wonder if my parents are disappointed. Like, <laughs> you never see that. Anyway, so that was just just some bills, news, and notes. Um, the next one was kind of interesting. It was the Buffalo Bills defensive line coach Bill Tierlink was hired at Virginia Tech. So basically, he took the same exact position as the defensive line coach instead of doing that for the Buffalo Bills. He's now going to be doing that for the Virginia Tech um, Hokies. And and when I I saw that. I was like, that's kind of odd. Like, it's the same position. It's it's a lateral move. I can understand if he was became a defensive line coach for the Buffalo Bills and he became, like, the defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech. Like, in, in a way, that's kind of like a step up position-wise, even though it's a step down, you know, competition-wise. And I'm looking at that, and and at first it looked like, a, like almost like a step back, right? Is that kind of how it seemed to you, John? Like, just, it was a weird, it was a weird move. You don't see that happen very often where 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 coaches do that yeah i i don't know a lot about the guy like maybe he's from there or his family there maybe he feels there's more room for advancement there than here i'm not sure so i think so i i i messaged brian talbot of newyorkupstate.com i said hey do you think this is like it kind of has this feeling like they were going to release or fire bill tier link and instead of doing that, like they did the, the nice thing, they're like, hey, if you want to look for a position the next few weeks or, so, or like the next week, that would be great because um, we're not going to keep you around. So uh, and he's just like, OK, well, I know the Virginia Tech coach, so I'm going to go play there. And Brian Talbot was like, I don't think that that's the case. So I trust him on that. And I guess I mean, doing a little bit more research, he actually played Bill Tierlink coached with um, uh, Coach Fuentes who's a coach of Virginia Tech right now. So it was more of a friendship thing, I think. He always wanted to work with them. He might be from the area, too. I have no idea. The Bills ended up hiring former defense Panthers defensive coordinator Eric Washington as their D-line coach. Now, he was the defensive line coach in Carolina at one point uh, between 2011 and 2017. Um, Washington, he began his career with Texas A&M in 1997 and his NFL coaching career in, with Chicago in 2008. During Washington's seventh season as Carolina's defensive line coach, his group led the NFL with 244.5 sacks by defensive linemen. Um, as a whole, the Panthers ranked top 10 in sacks in five of his seven seasons as the DL coach, rank, including a number one ranking in 2013, a number two ranking in 2016, and a number three ranking in 2017. 
So in his first season as an NFL defensive line coach in 2010 with Chicago, the Bears' D-line finished uh, ranked top eighth or tied for eighth in the NFL with 25 sacks. And uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, this is an exciting. It actually sounds like an upgrade, rather. But I thought the Bills' defensive line looked pretty good this season. They uh, they got a lot out of the younger guys like Jordan Phillips, uh, Shaq Lawson, um, Ed Oliver towards the end of the season. I thought he looked great. They just I feel like they were kind of missing a little bit more from their veteran guys like Trent Murphy, um, Jerry Hughes at certain points in the season. And, uh, yeah, it was just um, – so, so it may end up being a move. We never know what these coaching hires and changes, these moves. They could be better. They could be worse. We'll never know until the season starts how much it matters, especially for position coaches. But, hey, you know what's a good thing about this, too, which I just thought about now as I'm talking about it, is if Leslie Frazier ends up leaving in a year or two or whatever to a head coaching gig, now the Bills essentially have their defensive coordinator in waiting, right? Like they have a backup plan at defensive coordinator because – um, Eric Washington was a DC at the Carolina Panthers, so he could easily, after a year or so of you know getting back into the rhythm of things with the Buffalo Bills under Leslie Frazier, under Sean McDermott, remembering how things are being run, um, he could easily slide into that role. So I think we're in, in good shape there. That's, I always love contingency plans. Who doesn't like a contingency plan? So the Browns were looking at potentially um, hiring offense, Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable, for their head coaching position, and we're interested in possibly the Bills' assistant general manager, Joe Schoen, for their GM position. As far as I know, I don't know if they filled the GM position, but I know that they filled the head coaching position. It won't be Brian Dable this year. Is going to be Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski, which is kind of interesting because they... <laughs> They did not end on a high note, only, only scoring 10 points in the postseason, but they did end up uh, beating the Saints in the wild card. So interesting. I kind of thought that the Browns were going to hire Brian Dable because uh, I'm still iffy on Brian Dable, but I, I feel like the Browns always hire guys for their head coaching position that are kind of mediocre. Like, remember when they took Mike Pedden from us when we, we were when he was a defensive coordinator here? It was like, oh, he was he was OK. He was pretty good, but I wouldn't say he was amazing. And then when he left for that, it's like, well, you know, they ended up getting a better defensive coordinator in Jim or Jim Schwartz. But it's just it's just interesting that the uh, they were even looking at Brian Dable. And we'll go into rankings later if we have time. Um, but I, let's get into um, one of the more important things of the podcast, which I wanted to discuss, was the Deion Dawkins letter in um, letter to Bill's Mafia in the Player Tribune. So this last week. Deion Dawkins wrote a letter to Bill's Mafia, and it was really it was really this cool, um, long-form essay where he talks to Bill's Mafia, Bill's fans, and it's very like it's very informal. It feels like you're actually talking right to him, and I love it. It's it's one of those cool things. Um, I've never read a Players Tribune essay like this before, but um, it was it was awesome. He he basically I'm going to give some some um, highlights of it, but there were he started off the the letter saying, like, don't let other people join the Bills bandwagon. Like, this bandwagon is closed. Like, there's a lot of people that are all of a sudden going to start noticing us. He's like, I want to let you, I want you to let them know that it's, it, you can't be a Bills fan. It's, it's, it, was, it was really cool. It was really funny. He was talked a lot about things that we as fans have kind of thought, at least in our minds, and we voiced them as fans, but we didn't know for sure. And he kind of confirmed them. Like, like, the first thing was, he, he mentions a lot, like, this isn't the same old Bills. 
And he go in, goes into depth talking because he is one of the few players that has actually been there for both playoff appearances. And he mentioned, you know, the, the first playoff appearance against the Jaguars was the, the storyline there was never the playoffs and, and potentially making a championship run. The storyline there for even the team was breaking the drought, ending the drought. Like that was the big thing because it ended up, and he and he attributes this to Andy Dalton saying how, you know, we needed a miracle from another team just to make the playoffs that season. He's like, so we were just happy to be there. He's like, when we lost that that game, it it didn't hurt. It didn't it didn't kill us inside. We were we were actually like, eh, you know, it is what it is. He's like, the time that they lost last week against the Texans. He's like, he's like, people were crying in the locker room. Like, that's how much it meant to them. He's like, when I tell you it hurt, I mean, it hurt. Like it, it hurt in a way that, that it just, it felt like it could be, especially because they had a chance to win the game. It just hurt that much more to him and all of his teammates, everyone in the locker room. They all felt it the same way. He's like, it was not that feeling two years ago when the Bills lost to the Jaguars. He's like, it was, it was a different team. It's a different mentality. And he talks a lot about the team bonding and why it's a different, you know, uh, mentality this year. The the type of culture that they've created, the team bonding. He I mean, he talks about bowling nights together, movie nights together, some of their favorite movies that they've seen together. He talks about you know the fact that they legitimately love each other. He talks about how great the defense is, just as as a as a team, athletically and talent wise, and also just how selfless they are. And how, like, for example, he says how they don't roll their eyes after the offense has a three and out. Because you would think after that point, I mean, we're we're rolling our eyes watching the game. Like, you can imagine, like, the defense is like, all right, well, got to go back out there again and clean up their mess. But he's saying, no, that wasn't the case. It was, they were, they were keeping, you know, keeping spirits up. They're like, come on, let's do this. We're a team. This isn't you. This isn't, this isn't you know, this isn't the offense. This isn't the defense. This is all of us together. So he was just saying he he pointed out the defense as as a great team to play with, and he was and one of the main things he talks about also is Josh Allen, and he talks about the team just absolutely loves Josh. He says this here's a quote from him. he's like my man is physically is gifted physically in a way you just can't teach. He's a freak. He's a winner. He's a funny guy in parentheses, but not as funny as he thinks. He's a good guy. He's a great leader, and you had better believe he's our quarterback. So it's kind of cool because all of these things that we kind of see from the outside and we and we hope as fans that, you know, Josh Allen is that kind of likable guy. He seems that way. This is a guy saying for sure that that, that he loves him. This is his quarterback. And I, I don't know. This, this whole letter in general, like, gives you goosebumps. Some people I've seen on Twitter made them cry. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool essay. And I would absolutely – I'm going to put it in the show notes just in case you guys haven't seen it. Um, but he, and then he ends it with basically talking about how much he loves Bills fans and how, you know, he's been good everywhere he's been as as a as an offensive lineman, as a player. He's always been good. So that's not new, like to be somewhat recognized wherever he played in high school or college or whatever. He's like, but he's never just really noticed. He's no normally just kind of seen as like, you know, oh, oh, there's that offensive lineman for, you know, for our team or, you know, there there's that big guy. Hey, what's up, big guy? He's like... Instead, he said, I'll be at, this is what he said, I'll be at Wegmans, just shopping around, minding my business, and it's not, big man over there, I think he might play for, I think he might play for the Bills? It's not even, oh yeah, that dude, he plays for the Bills. It's Dion, it's Snowman, it's, you already snow, 
And and he says, and maybe that's a small thing, but I have to tell you, it's really big. Those interactions, those moments with fans, those quick little hellos where the whole thing just lodges in your brain like, wow, do I matter? What do I matter to these people? And they don't just know me. They know about me. Like, no lie, he says, I cherish those moments. I will forever. So that was a really cool um, really cool write-up by, by Dion. It gives you a little bit more insight into him as a player, the, the team in general. And you know, like, I, like I mentioned, it, it validates a lot of the feelings that we have as fans and a lot of the things that we've seen in the media. John, I think you had a chance to read this. What were your thoughts on Dion Dawkins' letter, and, and, and did you enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he pretty much said anything that was already going through my head. I, I, I just say it's highly recommended for anybody to read it. And so I think what we're going to do is I, I'll put it in the show notes so everyone can read it if they want, um, which I would absolutely recommend doing it. I would love to just do, I could do an audio podcast where, or an audio book for like next week's podcast and just read the whole thing. Like it is that good. I wouldn't do that because I think there's some copyrights or whatever. I don't know, but Either way, um, it was it was a cool read, and um, you know, I look forward to more of these things. And I hope the more Bills players end up writing these. He also mentioned I forgot to say this too earlier is that he mentions that all of like the Bills offensive linemen are having babies, right? He's he's like he's like I think we're he's like we're not only growing as a team. He's like our families are growing. He's like we're we're sprouting roots in Buffalo. He's like so this is. This is not, he's like, this is bigger than just us being players. And he mentions multiple times, he understands this is a business. Things can change from year to year, season to season. The guys he's playing with this season won't be the guys he's playing with next season. But he mentions how, how cool it is that, you know, that this, this thing is big. It's big. And he thinks it's bigger than him. He thinks this, there's guys that he's made lifelong friendships now with, and there's guys that he thinks he's going to be playing with for a long time. So, um, you know, Deion Dawkins speaking, we're, we're going to talk about free agency, obviously, as, as the offseason goes on. Deion Dawkins becomes a free agent next season um, after his fourth season because he was a second round pick. So uh, I, I would I would like to see him. I'd like to see him resign. And the last bit of news and notes that I completely forgot to get up, forgot to talk about um, with you guys is that Cody Ford is getting fined by the NFL $28,000 for the illegal blindside block. Um, where, you know, if you've seen any of the clips, this was not a blindside block. There was actually a blindside block yesterday against, uh, in the 49ers Vikings game where, you know, a 49ers, uh, defensive lineman, I believe it was an interception and the defensive lineman just completely leveled the Vikings offensive lineman in a blindside block. Like that is a, a cutback block, whatever they call it, where the, the lineman was looking to tackle the guy who intercepted the ball and he was running in that you know, in that area or, or laterally, laterally as, as the rule states toward the sideline. And as a result, the offensive or the defensive lineman sees this. So he just completely destroys the Vikings offensive lineman. And, you know, the guy doesn't see it. He ends up on the ground. I believe he was injured or whatever. I don't know if that was even a penalty was called. I don't believe a penalty was called. And every all Bills fans on, on Twitter were just saying, like, what the hell? What the hell is going on? Here you and then you also see Jadavian Clowney have a helmet to helmet kit with or uh, hit to to Carson Wentz last week and Bills fans and Bills Twitter is, is up in a in a roar. I mean, what do you? There, I hear that the Bills are going to appeal that fine. At least Cody Ford is. And uh, John, when you saw that, I know you just gave me the eye roll right now as we're talking. 
How ridiculous. Isn't that just like, aren't they just like twisting? Isn't the NFL just twisting the knife after they, after they called that penalty, which potentially lost the game for the bills. And then instead of, you know, backing up, they, they basically back up exactly what they say. And then they, they fine you for it. I wonder if they actually look at the plays when they do the fines or if it's like, if it's a certain type of penalty, they say, well, it's, it'll be an automatic fine or something like I. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I think that's one of the most frustrating things with the NFL in general is its inconsistency. You know, there's some things that seem completely black and white. And if it's if it's called this way in one area and it's not called this way in another area, but it's fine this way in one game, but it's not fine this way in another game. It's just like this lack of consistency. It goes even back to suspensions. Like, remember when the domestic abuse policy came out, it was like, oh, you know, we're going to suspend guys for two games. And then Ray, Ray Rice's tape came out. And they're like, all right, we'll the whole season. And then the next guy that gets it gets like six games. And then the next guy gets it 10 games. And the next guy gets two games. It's like there's no consistency whatsoever with the NFL and the people at the top. I feel like they're just kind of shooting from the hip or just winging it every time something happens. They're like, I don't know what to do. What do you guys right. think? And then it's like, what's a catch? And then it's like, what's pass interference? And like, it's just on and on and on. Mike, what did you think? I think at the time we all agreed it, it wasn't a penalty, so I was surprised to see the fine come down. And you wonder if the aim of that is to legitimize the call to some extent. Yeah, that makes sense. If they if they find them, and even if they appeal and they're like, oh, okay, we won't find you after all. It's like, well, we have to, I don't know. <laughs> I can see that at that point. It's still wrong. Whatever the reason is. It's wrong. It shouldn't have been called to begin with. And I'm still bitter. Bitter Nate is back. I am still bitter about that play. So we're going to do... So uh, we... The nice people over at Delago Casino Resort um, gave us some footballs to give away on the podcast, which is very nice of them. Um, one of the cool things about them. And uh, we have a Bruce Smith signed autograph football that we announced a winner with last week. Um, if you're new to our podcast, we have a list of about, I don't know, like 80 to 100 people, maybe. It might even be less than that. Maybe a little bit more than that. I have no idea. But if you leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts specifically, and you mention Circling the Wagons, you can mention anyone else too if you like Mafia Mavens or Believe or whatever. You can also mention them, but you just have to mention Circling the Wagons in the review. If you do, you'll be eligible to win um, one of the many giveaways. And we're not just, you know, giving away football. We do have some footballs from Bruce Smith. We have some Donovan McNabb signed footballs. Speaking of crapping on Donovan McNabb (laughs) earlier in the podcast, we have some Donovan McNabb um, footballs. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, we would uh, appreciate that. You will be in the running for every giveaway that we do from here on out, from last season to this new season, this off season into the regular season. So um, until we have a winner, you guys have to listen every week, obviously. Um, and and that way you can uh, have a chance to win. So I'm going to read a couple of the reviews that people have left for us, um, which we appreciate everyone doing this. Um, Coach Graham writes in as a review. Um, Circling the Wagons is by far one of my favorite podcasts. I listen every week and love the information you guys put out there. Also, Micah Hyde is a beast. <laughs> um I feel like people are underrating how incredible that onside kick was. Not just the fact that he returned it, but the athleticism it has to spin in the air and land running. Incredible. P.S. 
Love to be in the running for that signed John Brown jersey. Now, if you're just listening, you, if you haven't been listening since November, uh, we gave away a signed John Brown jersey, a signed Tremaine Edmonds jersey. Um, so we also have some other jerseys in the future we will give away. Um, but uh, yeah, so Coach Graham, this one is from DWAS9. He writes, these guys are amazing. Love the insight everyone gives. Bruce and Nolan um, drops are awesome. He mentions Bruce and Nolan podcast, obviously, in this one. And keeps the keep the feed Feet's coming, guys. Love listening to everyone all week long on my car rides and long runs. So um, appreciate that. And the uh, last one I'm going to read, this one, is awesome. He, um, this is from Boozy Bills Babe. She writes, I love listening to this podcast on my way to work the Monday after a game. There's a decent amount of analysis without getting so heavy into it. You just can't focus on the road. The stats section is always a, bla- a great place for some random tidbit of Bills trivia, too. So with that, thank you everyone for leaving uh, a review, like I mentioned, uh, Apple Podcast. So now we are going to pick the winner of the Bruce Smith signed autograph football, and the winner this week is Poppy Below sixty nine, Poppy Dash Below sixty nine. So if you are Poppy Dash Below sixty nine, uh, message us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email us ctwpod at gmail And if you're not following us in general, you should be following us on all platforms. We've been posting a bunch of memes lately just with the bills and nfl it's always a fun time um you might get a laugh you might get a chuckle so um it'd be great to do that oh yeah by the way and i'm just gonna quickly uh do a shout out to our t public store um, we have about 30 really cool truly unique bills designs for t-shirts hoodies mugs whatever you want some people have bought some flags of our designs some wall art you can do anything at t public um that site is tpublic.com slash stores slash ctw pod and we also have like so our most famous ones i'll I'll tell you right now are the josh allen jumping over the haters t-shirt um our sean mcdermott trust the process shirt um we have um circle the wagons circling the wagons our podcast logo we have some really cool stuff up there um some oj simpson themed ones i mean you just got to check it out um that site again is tpublic.com slash stores slash ctw pod i'm hoping next week if we don't have a ton to talk about news and notes wise um we can start getting into some rankings but um wanted to end it didn't want to to go into it as long as we normally do every week for our recap podcast where we talk just about so many facets of the game which is really fun to do each week but uh, i think we're going to end it here this week so signing off for john go bills and for mike go bills and for me nate go bills thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.